You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg, sound on with Kevin Sir. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. School closures in Maryland as well as surrounding areas. We're going to dive into the local as well as the national response to the coronavirus. Every angle covered the policy, the markets, and of course the politics as well with Bob Cusack, editor-in-chief at The Hill, Sari Kim, Republican strategist, and David Livingston, senior analyst now at the Eurasia Group, former deputy director of climate and advanced energy at the Atlantic Council. So lots to get through. Bob Cusack's here, editor-in-chief at The Hill. I'm going to start with you, Bob. Quickly, the president last night uh, giving that speech, uh, really canceling flights from Europe, uh, trying to get congressional action, but 24 hours or so now out from that speech. Where do things stand in Washington from a political response to, to the coronavirus? Oh, Kevin, it, it's fair to say the administration has really bungled this response, and uh, the speech did nothing, as we saw today, to, to calm markets. And it wasn't a reassuring message from the president, uh, and it was surprising uh, as far as his European move. Um, and, and Congress is not going to pass anything, at least anytime soon, maybe early next week. Mitch McConnell has said he's going to cancel recess. So overall, this is a pretty grim outlook right now. I want to now bring into this conversation Matthew McAleer, who's executive vice president and director of equity strategies at Cumberland Advisors. The U.S. stocks sink in the worst day since Black Monday in 1987. Uh, Matthew, a, 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 a alarming day for Wall Street traders. Very alarming. Uh, you know, the words panic and oversold, sometimes they're overused, sometimes they're used, uh, you know, for, for mild pullbacks, but you got a real, real dose of panic today. Today, by the way, uh, I, haven't, I haven't pulled the CBOE's equity-only put call ratios, which, by the way, in, in, a, in a real panic, you've got to, we've all got to get away from trying to think you know what the economy is going to do, uh, 
that type of nonsense, excuse my language, my, excuse my description, but we have to really look at analytics and internals of what's going on within the market. And today will be the third day this week that the equity only, not the index, but the equity only put call ratio will have cracked one. Wow. That's huge. That's, that's, that's through 9-11, easily, by the way. That's through to any of the panics in 2008. So when I say panic, you've got some panic. It's, it's some real panic. Now, that normally, normally will create some conditions for, for some buying. Uh, now, you have to have, you know, maybe panicked a little early and raised some cash and had cash in your, in, your, in your allocation here. But even if you don't, even if you're still fully invested in equities, I think what you have to be looking at doing here is improving your portfolio. Matthew McAleer is uh, on the line. So- just, to, just to bring everyone back up to speed, he's the EVP uh, and Director of Equity Strategies at Cumberland Advisors. The S&P 500 index giving back all of its gains since the end of 2018. The global stocks have uh, have sank into a bear market and crude oil has retreated. I want to read just the headline from the Bloomberg Terminal. In a week that brought the wildest market swings since the financial crisis, Thursday hammered investors with something crazier. A 10% drop in the Dow, the end of the longest bull market on record and the biggest sell-off since 1987's Black Monday. Matthew, I want to play for you what President Trump had to say earlier today about the stock market. Here's the President of the United States. The stock market, as an example, is still much higher than when I got here. And it's taken a big hit, but it's going to all bounce back and it's going to bounce back very big at the right time. That's the President, Matthew. What what are investors looking at, or, or is there anything that, that can be done from a policy standpoint coming out of the nation's capital? You know, policy, policy in, a, in, a, in a panic and really in a two-week panic, think about it, a two-week panic, where did we make uh, index highs on February 18th? So mm-hmm. a three-week panic like this, you know, p- policy can put a little salve on, on the panic. There's, you know, when, when you're talking about a virus, not which is causing so much panic, along with that crash in the oil markets. Uh, you know, it's not like banks sitting on bad credit where you can help help bail out banks. It's it's something uh, you know that we haven't haven't really dealt with to this extent before. Sure, SARS and swine flu uh, gave us a couple ripples. You know, down 15, down 16 percent. But this is nasty. I don't know. There's a that there's a ton. The president can do. Uh, you know, I know politicians on both sides will, will get very involved in he's, you know, he's doing a great job. He's not doing enough. I think as investors and traders, you know, you've got to try to block out some of that and just create levels and, and prices where you're comfortable bidding on stock. And what we've been doing is try to bid under the market bid under where, where great names like Microsoft or Lilly or Costco are trading and see if we get hit. And if we get hit there, we'll tuck it away and try to look through the valley of the next three or six months. All right. My thanks to Matthew McAleer, Executive Vice President and Director of Equity Strategies at Cumberland Advisors. Matthew, truthfully, thanks for calling in. I mean, it's it just a, a stunning day, a nasty day on Wall Street. Again, uh, a historic day in many ways on Wall Street. So my, my thanks to you. I want to bring back into the conversation Bob Cusack, editor in 
Chief at the Hill, David Livingston, Senior Analyst at the Eurasia Group, and Sari Kim, Republican Strategist, uh, and who has previously worked in the Trump administration. Sari, uh, let me kick it over to you in the sense that, uh, I mean, now we've got like two minutes left, so quickly. What do you think needs to happen in the short term to inject confidence, not just for Wall Street, but also for Americans now that are staring down the reality of massive school closures for the through the end of the month? I would say two things. Once, in an information-dense society, we are operating in a lack of information. And that information is That's being, well said. That information is being filled by speculators, people who have no access to facts, who have no historical data, who are not relying upon past pandemics. So I would say if you have any questions, go to this World Health Organization, go to the CDC, or just focus on the fact that even Wuhan, where the virus started, is sending people back to work. And the second thing that I would say is that markets, the United States economy, the United States government, and the world as a whole operate on confidence. We have to, we pay taxes because we believe if we don't, we're going to get in trouble. We drive on the right side of the road because we, if we don't, we believe we're going to get in trouble. And at the end of the day, you have to have confidence in your community and in the people that are around you. And the institutions. That it will all be okay. Be calm, focus on the data, and just be a reasonable person. All right. That was the Republican response. Coming up, we're going to dive much more into the nuance, but I want to talk about the ZDC. I want to talk about what President Trump is doing, what Democrats are proposing. We're going to check in with everyone. And like I said, folks, I mean, this is we're in uncharted territories. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. You have a, tens of thousands of people that travel to the United States from Europe every day. 70% of new cases in the world were in Europe. And when we looked yesterday at, uh, at the, what was then the 35 states where we had cases, about 30 of them could be traced to contacts with Europe. That was Vice President Mike Pence speaking earlier about the, how the administration's responding to the coronavirus pandemic, as described by the World Health Organization. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. My panel for the hour, a trio of talent, Sari Kim, David Livingston of the Eurasia Group, and Bob Cusack, Editor-in-Chief of the Hill. Sari's a Republican strategist and worked previously uh, at, in the Trump administration. Bob, why are there no tests? That's a, that's a good question. Um, Mike Pence said that uh, I believe four million would be available this week at the end of this week or at the end of this week, and I've seen an estimate around eleven, twelve thousand people have been tested, and, and I think that adds to the uncertainty because we just need to get on top of this problem, or at least know how bad the, the issue is, and and we don't yet. Sir, Technically, I don't know though. Sir, why are there no tests? There are no tests because the United States government refused to prepare after SARS. What you see is China, Singapore, South Korea, and the non-white tiger countries being prepared because after SARS, they decided to create a stockpile of 
tests. The reason why there are no masks in the United States is the United States stopped stockpiling it after 2004. The issue and problem with Washington, D.C. being involved and putting a political spin with adjective and adverbs about this crisis is that they refuse to prepare from the previous experience. And as a result of 15 years of government inactivity and inattention, I, that's why we're here. I, it, it's remarkable, David Livingston, uh, when you think of responses to national disasters in the Bush administration, in the Obama administration, and now in the Trump administration. It's a, it's immune to political party. Uh, but it it, it it strikes at the core mistrust that people want to have, people want to trust the government will be able to provide testing and whatnot. But when Japan and South Korea are better equipped to handle this than the United States, that's alarming. Yeah, they also spend more on health security and global health security than the United States does, or at least than the United States does now. Per been, capita. And it's that's right. That's right. But there, but there have been significant cuts to the you know to the um, the budget of the CDC and, to, and in particular to some of the global health security uh, uh, funding uh, that existed at the beginning of the administration, especially kind of coming out of the momentum of addressing the Ebola um, uh, crisis a number of years back. Uh, but, the, you know, the other interesting thing that I think will be a result of this as we look forward in the role of government is I think the government's not going to get more out of the way. I think the government's going to get more involved and we're going to see more redundancy uh, in terms of uh, industrial policy to drive domestic uh, production capabilities for things like masks, for medical equipment, et cetera. And, and so yesterday, The Hill, they put together Bob's, you know, newspaper, they put together a great synopsis of the pending legislation. But 90% of that bill does nothing to address the situation at hand. When you are talking about permanent payroll tax cuts, when you're talking about spending a billion dollars to expand the Hyde Amendment, when you're talking about $7 billion to do all these things, and ultimately it ends up in a trillion dollar impact, that is not the purpose of pandemic legislation. That is putting all of your Christmas tree public health political issues saying that you're helping people when in reality you're putting your morality in there. There are dangers of, of moving legislation too quickly and then there's also benefits to that because that will that will calm investors and I, I do think that Washington has to act but the normal routine and when we got up today, we thought, okay, the, the House is going to pass something, uh, and then that's what they do, and then maybe jam the Senate. I, you know, this is this is a crisis. This is like 9-11. This is like the financial implosion. There's got to be bipartisanship. And from a macro sense, listen, you know, there hasn't been bipartisanship in, in ages, and the, the, the parties simply have to come together very shortly. I think what you said, Bob, is so on point in terms of the timing of an economic package to calm the markets, because if they would have if they would have done something today, the markets wouldn't have cared. You know, I mean, be, just because we're we're not, it hasn't been a flat, what the flatten the curve as we've all been, yeah. yeah. And, and so I think until that happens, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you think back to 9/11 of all the lawmakers out on the Capitol steps. You think back to after the financial crash when there was, yes, you had disagreements within the party, but there was a core nuclear group of on both parties. I think what Americans, forget about Wall Street just for a second, I think what Americans are craving is that show of unity of their leaders. Yeah, no, and it's it's uh, it's been lacking, and there's been a lot of positioning and partisanship, and of course we're in an election year, and that's what makes this difficult, and that's where I think our leaders, both in the House and that's the Senate and the White House, of leadership. they if, have if, to step up, if, and they have if not. If Joe yet. Biden and President Trump 
can't figure out that that's a failure of leadership, then that's... And this is not hard. You can put... Uh, I think you got to have a large bill. It can't be modest. Right. And Republicans get a lot of what they want. Democrats get a lot of what they want. And it's signed into law. And then maybe we get some more information on the tests, and and, and then it then it calms down just a bit. I think I think you got to get the tests out there, yeah. And we got to see images of the tests getting out there just to, to to see that. I think the the you know Americans are heading into two weeks with their kids staying home from schools. They're heading home. They're working from home. They're working remotely. This has impacted everyday life. I want to play for you what Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said on Capitol Hill earlier today. Here he is. I plead. I plead with my Republican Senate colleagues to pass this bill now. It has been carefully thought out. Its programs are directly aimed at people. They're not ideological. Sarah, I, I take it though, you, you, I mean, I, I hear it on that front. So let's, let's divorce the politics for just one second though. <laughs> where is there cohesiveness on where Republicans and Democrats could work together to actually advance something that would help, that would help flatten the curve? So there are two things, the apples to apples, number one is the test. Currently, CDC is having to approve these in conjunction with the FDA. Just let the private sector create the test, put them out there on the market, because we know how to find indices for flu. And the other apples to apples things is, look, we're running out of active product ingredients. 90%, 90%, this is not a Republican fact or Democratic fact. This is from the private sector. 90% of active pharmaceutical ingredients are made in China. Right. We so had Marsha Blackburn on yesterday. And she's got a bill with Bob Menendez, a Democrat of New Jersey. I mean, I think you're going to hear. Don't, we'll talk about the China implications with Livingston in a, in a second, but finish your thought. So why, if you want to do something fast, if you want to do something big, if you want to address the two major issues with this testing and a cure, that's the apples to apples bill. It would be done in less than three hours if the legislative attorneys can write the text. And I remember when I was growing up and Senator John McCain and stopped his presidential campaign to get back to Washington, D.C. to deal with the 08 crash. That's the type of stuff, for lack of a better word, that needs to happen right now. Because come August, this could be forgotten. I want to forget about this come August. But we can't <laughs> right now. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The proposal appears to impose permanent unfunded mandates on businesses that could cause massive job losses and put thousands of small businesses at risk. That was Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell speaking earlier today about the Democrats' proposal that they put together with regards to combating the economic impacts of the coronavirus. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. If you're just joining us, the U.S. stock sunk today in the worst day since Black Monday. The worst day since Black Monday. Just to read uh, more from the Bloomberg Terminal, at the end of the day, U.S. stocks smoldered 27% below records set barely three weeks ago. Europe's benchmark index suffered its worst day in history. Brazil's tumbled as much as 20% at one point, and they have extended this year's loss to almost 50% in dollar terms. Canada's main, main uh, index was off more than 12% in its worst day since 1940. 
Uncertainty. Uncertainty, but we are certainly grateful to have Bob Cusack, Sari Kim, and David Livingston uh, here with us. Uh, we were talking in the break. I mean, so much of the chatter now is economic stimulus, when it will come. First, let's flatten the curve. But when we talk about economic stimulus to, to combat all of these differing dynamics, I think one thing that stuck out for me in the president's comments last night was the $50 billion from the Small Business Administration, SBA. Uh, because that could free up liquidity, not for big businesses, not for financial institutions and the big banks, but for small businesses, for the mom and pop shops, for targeted loans to just really inject some shocks into the economy once we flatten the curve of the coronavirus. David Livingston, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you used the terms, I'll let you describe it, but you described that it's important to combat another potential brewing issue as we deal to, with getting out of this hole. It's blue collar versus white collar. Absolutely. I mean, well, the point here is, uh, you know, what will be some of the, the impacts on some of our existing trends, political polarization, economic inequality. And I think that, you know, despite the hope that we have that this is going to be some pull together moment because we kind of have this common enemy, this common uh, threat in the coronavirus that we're facing. There's also the chance that especially in a very uh, uh, tense election season, you're going to have white collar workers able to easily work from home. Right. We can all just run this podcast, you know, over 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 Skype from our respective uh, living rooms. Uh, but what about the people, what about the blue collar workers that are taking out the trash? What about the blue collar workers that are- Who have to go to a refinery. Exactly, who have to go to a refinery, who have to ensure that basically society continues to function. to show up at a construction site. I mean, that's the, that's the side of it, I think, that I totally agree with you, David Livingston. People in this town don't get. Go ahead, Siri. And then to just to, to complicate yeah, it further, ahead. what happens when their when their kids are at home because they can't be at school, right? Yep. So now you have um, just some some major exacerbation of some major pre-existing tensions in U.S. society and the political economy in this country. I mean, this is where Speaker Ryan really fell on his chance to make an impact. The issue of the working poor is bipartisan, and I know my I mean. Let me just tell people, my parents do not own Samsung. My mom was a janitor working two jobs. My dad was a janitor working two jobs while he got a PhD. They are the working poor, and these people do not have the luxury to work from home. And as we emphasize the need to make tests, and as we emphasize the need to create awareness, that is done by the working poor. It's not like people get paid $100,000 a year to make tests. Those are manufacturing jobs. So, Bob, I mean, so when you're, you're talking about SBA loans and, and $50 billion in liquidity, I mean, it, it, this issue right now, and we're in the middle of it, so it's 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 really hard to. It's hard for me as a as a journalist, as a host, mm -hmm. to to say let's talk about the worst day in the market history, when literally local economies right now are getting crushed, and 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 we don't even know how long that's going to last because their everyday life is being impacted. So how, if you're inside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, if you're Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, if you're Larry Kudlow, I mean, how do you plan for the inevitable flattening of the curve from the from the virus outbreak to getting life back rolling? And th this is where the administration specifically, and it's not a strong suit, the president has to show some patience. Because number one, we have to get to a spot where Dr. Fauci yesterday said it's going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, so we have to get to the point where it's we're beyond and we're getting better. Now, there's good news that both South Korea and China, though you have to take China with a grain of salt, say, hey, they have peaked. They have peaked, and now they're getting better. We've they got to get to that curve. point. But, but the economic backlash of all what we've been talking about, 
it is hard to imagine that we don't go into some type of recession, per perhaps a major recession. And the global economy, of course, is going to be you know pulled along with that. We see major, one of the things I was looking at this morning, we're seeing just some crazy signals in terms of emerging market outflows, right? And so that's going to require global coordination, a global globally coordinated response. And I think that's what the market is, is seems very tense about is, is this, are we going to see that like we saw coming out of 2008, 2009, or do we actually lack the functioning institutions and the trust and the, the trust in the institutions? Exactly. The trust in the institutions at a global level to have a coordinated response. David Livingston of the Eurasia Groups here. He previously worked at the Atlantic Council. David, I mean, Christine Lagarde gets out there earlier today trying to inject some confidence into into the global economy. Sari Kim is shaking her head, but I, let me ask you, I, I, I mean, is, does that trust exist in, in Lagarde? I think the trust exists in Lagarde. The question is whether the, the, the trust exists amongst the big players that also have to be at the table, Can right? This is, a different, this is a different economy than it was more than a decade ago in 2008, 2009. You need the IMF, you need the United States, you need the EU, and you need uh, China, along with, of course, Japan and some other players. Sari, come in here. And then I want to come back to China. I was going to save that for segment four, but go ahead, Sari. I mean, this is where novice investors should just take a breath. There was already negative yields in Europe. There was always going to be issues mm. as it relates to the Brexit wind down. There was always going to be manufacturing problems as a result of the phase one China deal and the China-US trade war. Well, and on top of that, the fact that the United States put sanctions on Russia is the reason why Saudi Arabia flooded the market and the reason why crude oil tanked. Commodities move based upon crude. They buy these in quarters before. So there were always going to be market fluctuations. It was wild because of oil. It was wild because of Brexit. It was wild because of the U.S. trade war. And then we got the flu. And But that is not a fact based problem. That is a confidence problem because people Psychological. Do, exactly. They are investing incorrectly and they should listen to wise people who are true and give you quality facts like they do here at Bloomberg, not just because I'm on the show no, today. I know. I hear you. No, I mean, I, I hear you on that point. But let me let me ask you this. I mean, to come back to both of you are saying it's all of us are saying China's going to have to come to the table here. David, I'm going to put this back on you and bring it back to you for a second. Do you think that the global community is going to trust China after their handling of this? Well, Kevin, this is... Can we trust them? It's not a... a, a not a, a, Chinese. I'm talking about to... General Secretary Xi Jinping of the Communist Party of, of the Chinese government. Well, what I'll just observe is this is exacerbating one of the Eurasia Group's top risks that I identified at the beginning of the year, right? Decoupling between China and the U.S. and increasing rivalry between China and the U.S. And unfortunately, we see that starting to play out here. The initial response from President Trump was actually to be quite conciliatory towards China, gave them right. additional room to comply with the phase one trade deal, right? And sort of said, look, we, we support them. We're going to give them some time and, and space and patience. Now you see uh, in the speech last night or in the address last night, a noted change of tack, right? more aggressive towards China, um, you know, uh, talking about a, a, a virus which originated in China. And what you, you know, it, what's also going to be interesting now is how that bleeds into the economic contagion here as well. Secretary Mnuchin has reiterated multiple times that he doesn't want IMF funds going to pay back debt associated with the Belt and Road projects, for example. So where you can have competition between IMF, US, EU on one side, uh, China um, and, and, and its, uh, you know, lines of credit on the other side when it comes to some of the emerging market and frontier markets that have been hit the hardest here. 
David, I think you've raised a lot of great points. I, I spoke with a source at the State Department within the last 24 hours, and I mean, you listen to the public speeches that Secretary Pompeo has given in the past six months about Xi Jinping. You listen to, to what uh, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, from Mark Warner, the top Democrat on Intel, to Marshall Blackburn yesterday on this program. I mean, there. I, I, once this flattens the curve from the health perspective, China has a lot of questions. At, at minimum, China has a lot of questions to answer about how transparent they were with the international community. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. You know, I was texting with Guy, Guy Snodgrass earlier today. You know, he's a Stoic. He always reads Stoicism. He studies the Stoic philosophy. And, and he was telling me, in these times, just stay Stoic. Stay Stoic. I'm Kevin Cirilli, <laughs> Chief Washington Correspondent <laughs> for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We got to get Guy back on the program uh, to, to break down what 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 everyone's doing, what people are not doing in the international community. Bob Cusack's here, editor-in-chief at The Hill. Bob, what do you think the next 24 hours bring? Uh, listen, I think... It was, <laughs> wow! I mean, it, it, Such it, an optimist, Bob. Yeah, it, uh, you're going to see... It's going to become news when something is not canceled because everything is getting canceled and or unity. at least postponed. And, you know what and I think people yeah. are craving is that image of all of the lawmakers on Capitol Hill after 9-11, yep. I, I, people want to see. I, I, I say in this, I mean, I, I hope, I hope this is my, this is my stoic prayer, that the championship game for March Madness, that there can be a crowd, <laughs> uh, right? We well, got to have a March Madness though, right? Well, there, are there? Well, we're not even going to get that. Yeah. But I hope, I hope that there's at least like a major sporting event and a massive stadium. Where fans can go to in like a month from now. Well, listen, I, I think you've got to, I mean, not to be depressing, but I think you got to look at the NFL season right now. I mean, just because you're talking about baseball, March Madness is canceled. Uh, I was supposed and, to go to the Wizards really this home. weekend. Yeah, Wizards, not. Capitals, NHLs. But, I mean, it's all, I, that's why this is so, this is so rough. All right. <sighs> rough times. But I'm an optimist. Got to stay positive. If anyone has any funny things to watch <laughs> on Netflix or to queue up, let me know. Sari, what are you watching that's funny? We got to keep it upbeat. It's the worst day on the stock market since Black Monday. I'm not watching anything funny, but I heard Love is Blind is oh, it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, we talked right? about it on this show Yeah, no, I'm pre-coronavirus. Watching, um, I'm watching Better Call Saul. I don't know. Is it funny? I just want to laugh. That's a funny one. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right, maybe I'll check it out tonight. You, you always, always got to watch Kirby Enthusiasm. That's I could, really yes. Funny. Okay, I could go. Back, I could go back. Uh, David Livingston, what's on your radar? What's your quick take? Um, going to be watching the geopolitical fallout of this. Uh, yep. Will the will the growing this tension? This being love is blind, or this being <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We haven't laughed on this show in like a week. It used to be a fun show. Now it's like, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, looking looking at the geopolitical fallout of this. So you know, um, is when 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 all the dust settles. Uh, you know, who's going to be stronger? Who's going to be weaker? Um, will the ten- growing tension between the U.S. and 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 the EU? Um, um, uh, you know, kind of arrest the administration's attempt to bring Europe back a little bit back into the fold and, and to keep them away from, uh, you know, playing playing ball with uh, China on 5G and issues like that. Um, is, you know, is, uh, are certain emerging markets going to continue with Belt and Road initiatives? Are they going to uh, are they going to default uh, on some of their debts? You know, what's what's going to be the, the net shakeout there in the break about how China's giving it, the Italians masks? 
That's right. There's yeah. I mean, they're advertising a lot of the humanitarian aid and, and masks, which are now being sent from China to Italy, right? Which so is they're, so so that you're you're you, what well, you said in the break. I don't want to I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you raised the question: Will the Europeans look to China to be a to be a cure for this? Yeah, or if not a cure, at least are there going to be some soft power points scored uh, and put up on the board? And I think you know that that's uh, appears to already be the case. That's. Oh, back to the reality. <laughs> I can't believe that. I, I honestly, that's difficult for me to, to believe, but it's, but you're so right. That's why David Livingston here previously worked at the Atlantic council. Now he's at the Eurasia group. Sarah, what's your quick take on your radar? So the United States census, it hasn't been on my radar for a really long time, but in January, they started to actually knock on doors and collect the data. Not this, anymore. This is the first week that they started to knock on doors nationally. And when you interject this, crisis of confidence that coronavirus has caused, and you're saying that government workers have to work from home, how do you take the information in the United States Senate, which attributes for the social welfare programs that the Democratic Party loves to embrace? There is no conversation about creating an infrastructure or filling the $200 million hole that they already have in the lack of people to take these numbers. Do you think they have to delay the census? You can't delay the census. It's just, it happens every tax 10 collection? years. Well, you shouldn't because, again, that it is a bifurcated problem. Does the health data require it? No. Do the politicians want to spin it? Yes. I think the only thing that, <laughs> will, make, my the only thing that will make people feel better is if life goes on as normal. But life can't go taxes. on yet. Yes, it can. My life goes on. I'm totally fine. I travel three times a week. Hey, can I give you I some upside? I hope people. Life can, according to the WA. some upside. World Health Organization yesterday said life can go on for dogs because apparently they can't get the virus. You know, I did read that. I <laughs> did read that yeah. off the drudge. Someone had a good tweet that said, WHO, let the dogs out. No, you know what? I needed that. I don't have a dog. You know, when all this is going, I'm saying it on air right now. When all this is handled, I'm getting a dog, Bob. I got two, so th two? that's good news. Good so news for my family. Be yeah. be all right, what's be your quick take on right, the radar? Uh, quickly, 2020, we're going to have a uh, debate time. on Sunday, and I would predict uh, that after Joe Biden does very well on Tuesday, that actually Sanders is going to bow out, unlike what he did in 2016. A month ago, Trump looked like a very solid bet to win re-election. Not so much anymore. Really? All right, let's take a listen to what Bern uh, Joe Biden said earlier today. Uh, talking about the coronavirus. Here he is. This is going to require a national, a national response, not just from our elected leaders or our public health officials, but from all of us. And here's Bernie Sanders. If we None have the medical here's. experts that I have talked to dispute that there is a major shortage of ICU units and ventilators that are needed to respond to this crisis. I mean, do you think... I think Biden world, when you talk to their people, uh, they, they said that they wanted to have a contrast in Biden's response today with Trump's response last night. I think he did well today. He was sharp. He's not always been great in the debates. Sometimes he has gaffes and word salad. Today he was sharp, and that's that's a good thing for the Biden campaign. So, I, uh, Sari, uh, give us the Republican perspective on that as it looks like it'll be Trump versus Biden. Well, I don't understand why there hasn't been a national response, and I don't understand why systemic issues in the hospital equipment chain is all of a sudden a burden of the Trump administration. This is what happens when you advertise and put adjectives on a crisis. You can't 
do that. Either the data supports it or it doesn't. The data supports there has been a national response. The data supports that hospitals have had equipment failures and uh, that has been something that is going on systemically. It's not like this just all of a sudden happened. So the Democratic Party and the Republican Party just needs to focus on the facts. No more spin. All right. Well, here's some more. Here's what's on my radar. Just the list of headlines that we've got to do every day. New York City declared emergency. France closed all schools. The Fed unveiled dramatic measures to ease the market strain from the virus. And that's the last point that I want to note on. The Federal Reserve took aggressive steps to ease what it called temporary disruptions in treasuries, flooding the market with liquidity and widening its purchases of U.S. government securities in a measure that recalls the quantitative easing it used during the financial crisis. Do you think, this is my last question, yes or no, do you think the bounce back will be this summer, Bob? Uh, I, I think it'll be a limited bounce back. I, st- I just, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a rough rest of the year. Sari? Yes, I say in two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. All right. Livingston? Dr. Livingston? By, by all accounts. <laughs> it, not, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. <laughs> it sounds like well, uh, Kevin University. I'm taking that diploma and running with it. Oh, awesome. It, 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 by all accounts, it sounds like um, there's a chance that this could, you know, obviously be, be seasonal, bounce back again as we get into the fall and, and the coming fall and winter. And so I think that um, there will be a lot of people anticipating that and waiting to see how that plays out before you see any. Uh, kind of great risk appetite returning. Bring back sports. I think that that'll be the sign. I agree with Bob. Yeah, I honestly, I, I think when you when you bring back the games, it'll be a, a major sign of confidence, and I think it'll 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 allow for people to feel okay again, and uh, it'll allow them to take trips. Siri, and, and that's what happened with nine eleven. And that's what happened. That with totally would happen with nine. I mean, and even the shows, the show, the the television programs have canceled live studio audiences. I mean, I yep. think once that like gets normal again and you know we're at least until the end of the month sarah i hope you're right that it's faster thanks everybody for listening bob sari and david and of course to matthew uh as well at the top of the show i'm kevin cerilli you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.